Hello, dear friends. If you recognize that theme song among all the Christmas music this year, you know it's time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. I am Pastor Robert Venable. I'm also doing the work of an evangelist today as we use the media to carry the gospel wherever the Lord wants to send it. I'm so glad to be part of the broadcast family right here on WMAF with fellow ministers right there in Madison and North Florida area that minister on the radio. And we just want to link arms with churches and preachers all around the world that are bringing the good news of Jesus to this generation. How we need that message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How we need the good news. In fact, there was a song written some time ago by Dottie Rambo that said the world needs some good news bad. And we've never needed to hear the hope uh, of the gospel like we need to hear it now. So I'm glad to be part of the great company the Bible teaches that publish the Word of God. So we are not in competition with anyone. We are in cooperation. There's a great harvest field and the the harvest is white under harvest, which means if we don't get it in now, it's going to be too late to get it in. I believe the harvest fields are ready to be harvested. And the only reason we don't see this harvest coming in is because of a lack of laborers in the field. And the field is the entire world of lost souls and lost people who do not know Christ as their Savior. So today we just pray we can be a blessing to you and an encouragement to you and be uh, a part of that great company that is entering into the labors of the harvest that we might enjoy reaping the benefits and blessings of seeing men and women, boys and girls, come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. So if you're not a Christian today, please be our guest as we go back to the Christmas story. Last week we talked about it from the from the standpoint of the shepherd's encounter with this holy child that was born in Bethlehem. And today we're going to talk about the three kings, the three magi, uh, the three wise men, if you please, all titles that could be given unto these three mysterious men that came from the east following a star and certainly had a revelation of who Jesus was and what he came to accomplish. And we want to help you to see what they saw uh, and to understand what they, uh, had, what they had revealed unto them so that we get a better grasp upon the significance of the visit of these three mysterious men from the east. There's mystery surrounding them completely in the Bible. We give them names by traditional, but, but there is no biblical basis for a name for any of them. We say there are three of them because three gifts were offered. That is what we assume. But all of that is assumptions and conjecture. But I'm going to tell you something that isn't, and that is the significance of the three gifts that were offered. There's mystery concerning the three 
men, wise men, but there is no mystery about the three gifts. They are very clear, and it is something we want to look at today. I pray that you are intrigued as we read this story from the book of Matthew chapter 2, and beginning with verse 1 down through verse 11. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou Bethlehem, In the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, and shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he heard, privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. I want to stop here. This king was threatened by a new king to be born. That's all he knew. There's a king that will rule, and he didn't want any threat to his kingdom. And he even sent out a decree that all the children, two years old and under, in this place should be killed. And so we know that these kings did not come at the same time that you see on Christmas cards or manger scenes. We use that typically of the whole story to take, put, to put it in a synopsis of the story. But literally these kings came, not when Jesus was an infant in a manger, but when, a, when he was literally probably a toddler because of the time that had passed. But when they came to worship him, They knew who he was and what he came to accomplish. And it is represented in the gifts that they gave. Let's finish the story in verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. The young child was. Now we don't see an infant in a manger, but a young child. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they see not a manger this time, but into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. The reason I believe the gifts brought by the wise men have such significance is because God had clearly given them a revelation of who Jesus was and what he came to accomplish. The first gift they brought him is gold. And gold is a gift for a king. It is a most precious and costly gift, not only in that day, but in this day. It is worthy to present a king. See, the queen of Sheba 
brought gold and spices, which the second gift will come under that category also to a king or a prince. In 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 10, speaking of the queen of Sheba and her gift to a king Solomon, world-renowned for his wisdom, and she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices very great, and precious stones. And there came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. You know how much 120 talents of gold is? You know, you can do the math. Uh, biblically, it was the, the, the heaviest unit to measure weight was a talent, and a talent was thought to be around 75 Pounds, And you can just picture, if you would, gold bars, to put it in perspective, each one weighing 75 pounds. She brought 120 of these to give to Solomon to honor him as a king. They knew, friend, that Jesus was a king. He didn't become king. He was born a king. Praise God. Jesus knew it also that he was born king, not only of the Jews, but of the universe. In John's Gospel, chapter 18, and verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered and said, Thou sayest, I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. The disciples of Jesus Christ recognized him as their promised king and rejoiced with great joy. In Luke's Gospel 19, verse 37 through 38, And when he was come nigh even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Hallelujah. And in Revelation 17 and verse 14 says, The Lamb will overcome His enemies because He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 19:16, And He hath on His vesture and on His thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Friend of mine, I want you to know Jesus did not become a king. He was born a king. And not just king of the Jews as was written and nailed to his cross by Pilate, but king of kings, Lord of lords, king of all the kings of the world, and king of all the kingdoms of the world. Praise God. Pilate, who ordered Christ's death, not because he believed the crowd, but because he feared Rome, had a title nailed to his cross. Amen. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, the Scriptures declare. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Often on crucifixes, you'll see the letters I-N-R-I. 
I, and it's the Latin abbreviation for Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Amen. When the wise men saw him, in the in the poorest of conditions, probably, even though he wasn't still in a manger. Kings aren't born in mangers, and they don't live in humble homes. They are born in palaces. Yet, they fell down and worshipped him. This means they prostrated themselves and worshipped him. Gold was fitting tribute for this newborn king of kings. Born On Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. We, three kings of Orient, are stanza two. You see, when you hear these great hymns and these great Christmas songs, they are not mere songs. They They are based on biblical truth, historical fact. Glory be to God. And when I hear them, especially outside of church, when I hear them on the radio, when I hear them in a mall, when I hear them somewhere else, I hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed. No matter how much the devil wants to pervert Christmas and make it a a pagan celebration and and just a commercial holiday, this holy day remains. And the message of this baby's birth and its significance and its purpose is still being proclaimed to the nations of the world. No wonder the enemy fights this message. No wonder he fights the Christian, a part of this message, which is the core of this message of Christmas. It's because he knows the power of the gospel to penetrate the darkness of the human heart and to save it when it's received within. Hallelujah. Amen. Gold is a fitting tribute for the newborn king of kings. But not only did the queen of Sheba bring him gold, but spices was the next gift. Frankincense was the next gift given to Jesus as this great king. Still, the emphasis is on him being a prince and a king. Frankincense speaks of his deity and his priestly ministry. Frankincense is an, is an herb from the spindly Baswella tree of Somalia and Yemen, formerly South Arabia. At the specified time, wood is cut, and the frankincense oozes as a yellow drop, a sap-like maple syrup, which is left to harden for three months, and then pulled off the wood. The resulting resin gives off a sweet scent when warmed or burned. We recognize the word incense in its name and we understand the ancient people burned frankincense, believing it to carry their prayers to heaven. The people of Israel saw it as one of the elements used in the holy anointing oil. But frankincense, as the substance offered to God, speaks of His deity. Exodus 30 Verse 34 through 38 said, The Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, stacte and onicha and galbanum, and these sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall be like weight. And thou shalt make a perfume, a confection, 
after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy, and thou shalt beat some of it very small, and put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee, and it shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whoever shall make like unto that smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. I like what Dr. John R. Rice said about frankincense. He said frankincense was the second gift offered by the wise men to the, to the child Jesus. The frankincense indicates the deity of Jesus Christ. These wise men from the East, by faith and spiritual perception, recognized that Jesus, King of the Jews, was literally the Son of God. Amen. And they offered Him that that was specified, that one of those spices specified for God and God alone. Praise God. Listen very, very carefully today. They had the revelation and they brought the appropriate gifts for one who would be a king and he would be a king like no other for he would be a deity. He would be a God not like the man-made gods of Egypt. He would be very God that became man. Praise God. Hallelujah. Another scholar states, as to frankincense, in by far the most cases is which the word occurs in the Old Testament, it is mentioned in connection with the service of Jehovah. The fragrant smoke rising heavenward was symbolic of the prayers and thanksgiving of the people. The incense was definitely an offering made to God. By their gift of frankincense, the wise men acknowledged the deity of Jesus Christ and worshipped Him as the second person of the Trinity. Not in those terms. They just knew He is deity. And we know that He was the second person of the Godhead. He was the Son of the living God. He was Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And God the Son. Frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising voices raising. Worshiping God on high. We three kings of Orient are. Stanza three. Third, they brought him another gift. And they brought him the gift of myrrh. They presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and myrrh. And myrrh, myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom. What kind of this gift? I've often said it to our congregation and now to this radio congregation. What kind of gift is this for a newborn? Myrrh, the spice used in preparing a body traditionally in that day for burial. Death is usually the farthest thing from our minds welcoming a new child into the world. Yet somehow the Magi knew that this child of Bethlehem was destined for death. Not in the massacre of King Herod who murdered many innocent children trying to wipe out this threat to his rule, but death on a cross bearing the sins of the world. Had the wise men heard the ancient words 
of Isaiah. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In Isaiah 53, 3, somehow they understood what would happen to this child. And their understanding was perhaps confirmed when they saw the reaction of the Jerusalem leaders to the news of their understanding. And when they saw that, they brought a gift to him. A gift, kneeling in humility, prostrating themselves before him. They brought him the gift of myrrh. Myrrh is an ingredient used for embalming dead bodies. It was also mixed with wine as an anesthetic. Myrrh is mentioned twice in connection with the death of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was dying on the cross, they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh. But he received it not in Mark 15 and verse 23. The myrrh and the wine would have dulled the pain, but Jesus refused it. The prophet Isaiah foretold the travail of his soul on the cross in Isaiah 53:11. Christ's rejection of the wine and myrrh showed that he bore the full travail of pain to pay the penalty for our sins. The second mention of myrrh was at Christ's burial. When Jesus was dead, a man named Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. John 19, 39 and verse 40. Dr. Rice said the myrrh pictured the sufferings of our Savior, vicarious sufferings, the innocent one, Jesus, atoning for the guilty. And the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 and verse 6, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 5 has said he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. All we, you and me today, all of us, there's none righteous, no, not one. The scripture declares we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ah, but friend of mine, God in his love and his mercy For us, in spite of our sin, oh, He has sent His only begotten Son. And from the day of His birth, He was destined for the cross. He came to seek and to save, not just to preach to those, but to give His life on the cross so that we could be forgiven. This is the good news of the gospel. It is a bitter, sweet story with all the sweetness of the frankincense. There is the bitterness of the myrrh. But thank God for this child that grew to be this man that took my place and your place upon the cross today. For the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity. All of us like sheep have gone astray, but God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
And there is a verse in stanza four of We Three Kings. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone cold tomb. Oh, but the good news is death couldn't hold him. The tomb couldn't keep him. God raised him from the dead on the third day. And that's when, amen, this death on the cross consummated with his resurrection and then his ascension and his promise to come back for those who have put their trust in him in the grave isn't going to hold us if we precede his coming by going into some hole in the ground. It won't hold us because it couldn't hold him. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when we see the gifts of the three kings, we see gifts that are appropriate to not only who he was, but what his coming and his life and his death would accomplish and his resurrection. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, I want you to know this Christmas season, uh, in this perilous time, in this world that we're living in, uh, in this time such as this, I am so glad that what he came to do, he did. And it's a done deal now. And for those that have put their trust in him, we have a hope that all of the trouble of this world cannot conquer. For this king, this king is coming back again to rule and to reign. Praise God. He's coming back for us. And then according to the book of Revelation, we're coming back with him when he comes to establish his kingdom upon the earth. Praise God. Hallelujah. And when he does, amen, the knowledge of the Lord is going to cover this world like the waves and waters cover the sea. And this this real peace will come, not the false peace that the Antichrist is going to bring for a very short season, but the eternal peace on earth will occur because the Bible said they will beat their 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 swords into plowshares and their their spears into pruning hooks. Hallelujah. And nothing will hurt in God's holy mountain. Friend of mine, I want you to know if the agricultural, if all of the military budgets of the world were turned into agricultural development, just like it's going to be, there won't God would not have to work a miracle of the fish and loaves to feed the nations of the world. There would never be a hungry child. There will never be a bloated belly. There will never be the devastation and diseases that accompany malnutrition. Ah, we could feed the world and another world like it with all the money spent so that we can go to war and kill one another when this king comes again and sets up his kingdom, all of that is going to cease. Thank God. It makes me want to cry Maranatha again. And I cry it often, which means even so. Come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Friend, this Christmas, I pray that you will look up, that you won't be distracted by the hustle and the bustle and the impatience and all of the pressures of it. But you will find the pleasure, if you're a Christian, in knowing where you're going and knowing who is coming very, 
very soon and that you will be filled with joy at the birth of this child, but you will be filled with holy anticipation and hope at the fact that this child is not coming back as a baby to lay helpless in a manger or to hang helpless on a cross, but he's coming back on a white horse with a name written on his thigh. When the second coming appears, he will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. And, and, and he's coming for us in a secret, personal, particular coming. Before that coming, I believe it with all of my heart. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior, I pray that you will know who He was and what He came to accomplish. And know that He did accomplish what He came to do on a hill called Golgotha and Calvary on a cross for six hours, bleeding, gasping, dying, so that we could be forgiven our sins and live with Him forever. Friend of mine, eternal life is a gift like no other. And Jesus was God's gift to bring it to us. So I pray today, if you don't know Him as your Savior right now, right where you are, that you will repent of your sin, that you will receive Christ as your Savior, and that He might seal you with His Spirit until the day of redemption that is drawing very nigh. And if you're a Christian, I pray you will have the most fulfilling Christmas that you have ever had. Come back next week and let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.